welcome, 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 everybody, to another weekly roundup with Ricky. This is episode 48. So I'll jump right into the updates, and we're going to start off with our project updates. So that's going to include TCFX updates and MetaLeon updates. First of all, coming straight from our founders, um, there has been a little bit of a snag on the SRO license application. Just a reminder, this is a very sophisticated license that we're going after. Uh, once we procure this license, we will be able to custody funds, I believe, and be able to be fully, fully, fully functional as TCFX. But regardless, nothing is stopping us. As I shared, uh, our founders have found a hybrid solution to still be able to onboard our first client, KOB, kind of blue. Um, and we're super excited to work with them. So just the update here is that just a couple more documents that were requested by the government. So the founders are working on it and they will be able to send out the package shortly. So maybe end of this week or early next week. So not too much of a snag, but still. Um, so with that, I want to move on to the next piece of news. Um, this is coming from KOB. So our first client, KOB, um, we're working with them to um, finalize their slide deck um, to approach investors. Um, they are Our founders are also planning a site visit, so they'll be able to go visit the clients where they're based. And they're also planning on shooting some content. So you'll be able to get to see uh, the office and everything. So hopefully they get to do that. It'll be really cool. And working with them to work on their investor slide deck, that's pretty cool. That means they trust us a lot, which is incredible. Uh, so yeah, the relationship is getting stronger by the day, which is incredible because you want to do that with your first project or the first client that you onboard. So that should be cool. Um, another piece that we're working on with KOB is uh, the contract. So finalizing the contract has been a little complicated. The reason being that KOB has to sign like a three-way contract right now. And I don't know the details of it, so I'm not going to dive too much into it. But what really is going on is since we don't have the SRO license right now, we have to sign a three-way contract between us, KOB, and um, our technology supporters, uh, Talium Assets. So that contract is a little complicated, so nothing to worry, though. Alex and Antonio have got it figured out. They are working with them to finalize the last few details, so the contract's going to be signed. So things are moving along just fine. I'm super excited to see them get onboarded and for everything to come to fruition. Uh, next, I want to jump um, right into our MetaLeon updates. As you know, me and Freeze are taking uh, the initiative for the development of the ecosystem. As you know, we all share a similar mindset. We want to build something that the Leon family is going to love, enjoy, and take pride in. Um, so there has been a lot of very, very, very um, productive discussions going on, um, kind of between me and Freeze, um, hashing out how we're going to do it, and then also with uh, Napoleon to see kind of what, his and Alex's vision is with this. So what we're coming to a conclusion with is 
as we come to the end of the early preliminary discussions of the ideas and the path forward and a detailed plan of what we want to develop, uh, I think there might be a potential vote that we do with our Leon family. As you remember, whenever we make a big decision, we don't do it by ourselves because everything we're doing, the ecosystem, uh, everything on the Meta Leon side, that is for the community. So um, look out for a holder's vote. It might happen um, anytime um, this week or next week. So keep an eye out. Uh, we will need your inputs as to what path forward we want to take. Either way, um, it's going to be good for us. So, uh, But just want to make sure the community decides uh, how we want to move forward with it. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll lay out the plan. We'll lay out the details um, of what each plan is going to entail. So you have all the information and you can take your time to decide what, which way would we like to see the ecosystem development move forward. Um, next up, Alex Antonio said that they had a little bit less work at the hotel since Monday, which is nice. So they've been a little more flexible. Uh, they said they'll try to hop into... Uh, spaces as well. And they also did say that there's going to be a town hall once they have submitted the SRO license application, uh, which is going to be really nice because that'll be a good touch point with the community um, and a huge milestone um, as we know how important this license is for us. Uh, next up, uh, he also, um, Antonio mentioned that Alex and Antonio, both of them are have started to contact investors for KOB, since that's going to be a huge, huge um, thing uh, for us once we onboard them and once we start uh, our contract together. Uh, the community updates. So I want to congratulate the winners of Touch Some Grass Midi Punk NFT giveaway that I did last week. Uh, I did a random Twitter picker, about seven people participated. So thank you for everybody participating. I really liked everybody's Leon's and everybody's reason to be bullish on the Leon family. That made me really happy. Um, I want to congratulate sister Bandy Onyx crypto rap. Um, all four of you for winning, uh, touch some grass. It's a great community initiative. You know, I always support, um, people that are like-minded and that are doing something good in the community. So this is a community-based music NFT project. And uh, the music NFT that these people got was a community uh, music NFT. What does that mean? Uh, the music that was in that NFT is, first of all, you own that music at that point because you own the NFT. Second, uh, the community members of Midi Punks participated. There's about 60 people that have their voices in that song. So the song was created by the community. It was definitely produced by the by the co-founder, but that's something good. And always a good reminder to tell everybody to, hey, get, get out there, touch some grass. I know Web3 life can be a little overwhelming. So if you go out, try to find some balance, that's always good. Um, now that I'm sitting on episode number 48, where we have our countdown to episode 50, uh, so I am planning something special. So hopefully that works out and it's going to be a big one. So let's, let's get the word out. Let's get more and more Leon family involved because 50th episode is going to be awesome. There might be a giveaway as well. So, um, stay, stay excited, everybody. 
with that, that's all the updates I had for the project and the community. Uh, next up, we're going to jump into market updates. So first off, just a quick reminder, everybody, whenever I talk about market updates, I'm sitting at, what, 48 episodes at this point. You can go back and listen to literally any of my previous updates. I have never talked about price. I, I have never talked about price. I will never talk about price because what I'm helping you learn, and hopefully most of you that have been listening regularly, know that price doesn't matter. What matters is you understand how this market works. You understand what moves the market. You understand why adoption, what kind of adoption is happening, why this industry is going to be bigger than the internet industry. So that's why what I cover in my news is what you would never get on mainstream media. So first up, we're going to talk about regulations. Uh, we have U.S. Judge Annalisa Torres who has been overlooking the SEC versus Ripple lawsuit. Ripple, the company that has the XRP token. Um, so what happened in this case, the judge put out initially her judgment. Well, not really judgment, but initial verdict um, to share her views. And she said, XRP as a token is not a security. Me as an investor, if I bought XRP on the secondary market off of Binance or Coinbase, I did not buy thinking Ripple is going to increase the value of XRP. That is not the contract that was signed. So Gary Gensler keeps lying, keeps keeps misdirecting Congress. And I don't know how he still got his job, by the way, because he keeps getting slapped on the face by, by the courts. He lost the lawsuit with uh, the ETF people, uh, Grayscale ETF. He lost that. He lost the XRP lawsuit. He's about to lose the... Uh, what is this lawsuit? The Coinbase lawsuit. He's about to lose that. And this. Uh, and then after he lost the XRP lawsuit, he filed a, a him or his his SEC staff. They filed a appeal. He appealed the decision of the judge that I don't like what you said. You did not apply the law correctly. So the judge went back and yesterday, just yesterday. Uh, she came out and completely denied the appeal by the SEC and gave legitimate reasons as to why she was denying it because the what she basically said, the TLDR of the 20-page document that she filed was, listen, I applied the law, the Howey test for the security, which, by the way, is a, is, is a law from 1930. So we're having to apply a law which was created in 1930 to a industry that is literally just 15 years old and still the SEC lost because there is no contract. That's the problem. A thing can only be a security when two people agree that I will take money from you and I will increase the value of this token. That's plain and simple. Ripple never promised anybody that they're going to increase the value of XRP. Because XRP is an independent digital ledger, which is completely decentralized. It has got nothing to do with the Ripple. So Gary Gensler got slapped on the face again, which made me really happy because I don't like people that lie and cause uh, people like you and me, the average investor, a lot of losses. Single-handedly, SEC costed $15 billion in losses in people that held XRP. And the mission statement of the SEC is to protect the investors and protect the market. They clearly did not do either of those. So it's very obvious that Gary Gensler is working for the big banks. He worked for 
I think he worked for Goldman Sachs for like 15 years or something before he became the SEC chair. So uh, that's that. Um, next up, uh, I want to share that since Gary Gensler uh, filed his lawsuit against Ripple, Ripple is a company that is highly respected in the world as a fintech company. How do I know that? They recently received a very, very complicated license, which not a lot of crypto companies have received so far. So Ripple has gained a digital payment license in Singapore. And the only other crypto company I think that has received that license is Coinbase. So that is a company that this SEC guy is suing. And it's completely based out of the US. So I don't know what's wrong with him. Um, and then next up, um, the reason Ripple stopped hiring in the U.S. and keeps growing their business outside of the U.S. is because of the regulatory problems. And that's a big, big, big issue. So uh, hopefully uh, he comes to his senses after seeing all these losses in, uh, in the courts. There was, a, there was a video clip of Gary Gensler being asked some questions by some journalists. And the journalists asked him that, if the court disagrees with your stance, would you respect the court's decisions? And basically, he's he's very well known um, to dodge questions. He doesn't answer any questions where he's going to get cornered. So basically, the guy said, I don't I'm not going to respect the court's decisions." So basically, he said he doesn't respect the judicial system of the country. And this is a regulator, a federal regulator. So I don't know what to say about his intentions at this point. He thinks he's above the law. So I don't know how he got so much power because his job literally depends on Congress giving him this job. So he's really trying hard to get fired. Um, next up, I don't want to cover the SBF trial, but it did begin yesterday. It was day one. You would not hear me cover this because you will see this all over the place. All the big YouTube channels, all the big Twitter accounts, they're going to be updating you all this. But what I want you to know that Department of Justice has said that even though there's not clear regulations for crypto, SPF is looking at if he gets lucky, he, they said if he gets lucky, the easiest penalty that he's going to get is 30 years in prison because this was bigger than Bernie Madoff and Bernie Madoff got 150 years in prison. So SBF is situations even worse. And this is actually the largest financial fraud in the world, in the history of finance of US, I think US. Um, so things are not looking good for SBF. So for the next six weeks, the trial is going to run and you're going to hear all about it in mainstream media. But just wanted to give you a heads up. Um, next up, we have central bank digital currency updates. I keep bringing you these updates because it is important to stay up to date as to where each country is going with their CBDC development. It is a new era in finance. Average person is probably not going to know the difference, but your banks are going to have digital wallets and you're going to have actual tokens instead of just a digital number that you have right now in your bank account, which is called your money. Um, so CBDC updates are essential because knowing how banks are implementing CBDCs at the national level is so important because it shows you how controlling or how freeing the system's going to be. If they're going to be invasive in your privacy, if they're not going to be, it's so important. So, um, first up we have Ripple. 
uh, again, reminder that this company keeps getting picked up by world governments to build up their technology while they're getting sued in their own country for not having any utility. So the double standards are interesting. Uh, Ripple was picked up by as a partner alongside a couple of other technology companies to work on the pilot program for the CBDC by National Bank of Georgia, Georgia, the country. Um, so that should be incredible. Pilot programs, by the way, are early phase tests that happen just to dabble into some new technology and see how it's going to work with the existing technology and what benefits or uh, good value can they bring to uh, their infrastructure. 90% of the banks, by the way, just a heads up, um, are wor still working on technology that was built in the early not early 60s and 50s and some of them are still built in COBOL which is a programming language which uh, none of today's generation is able to understand or work on so they know that they cannot keep working on mainframe technology uh, in the new era of business where people need their Amazon packages literally the same day and their money takes three days that's not something that can work um, bank holidays like crypto works 24 seven, our generation, literally everybody that uses crypto is, is used to 24 seven service. If there's a bank holiday, why is my money, which is mine closed out for me? So that's just something that is not acceptable. So banks are starting to realize they need to completely rehaul their business and CBDCs are a great solution for that. I'm not saying I like CBDCs, but I know that this is the future. A lot of banks, at, the reason I bring you this news is a lot of banks are working on this. So it is important to keep an eye on what other countries are doing on CBDC. Um, next up, we have Bank of Korea, and this is South Korea, by the way. Um, they have started exploring the feasibility of a CBDC and the technical infrastructure that is going to be required um, as the envision to play a very crucial role in the new era of cross-border payments. So another reason banks are looking into CBDCs is what I just shared, cross-border payments. So if I'm, if I'm in India right now and I want to send some money to Canada back and forth, that stuff takes three to six days and a lot of money to send. And banks have a lot of cost. They have to keep their money parked in third-party banks or their other branches in order to facilitate those transactions. So it's lost capital. You know that money, if if your money's sitting somewhere and it's not earning interest, your money is losing value because of inflation. So banks have to park like millions and millions of dollars all across the world to facilitate these cross-border transactions. Guess which technology helps remove that cost? It is CBDCs. So you can directly use a third a token to transfer value within minutes or seconds sometimes across borders. So Bank of Korea is looking into that. So that's exciting for them. Next up, we have the first deputy governor of the French Central Bank who has resonated with this sentiment by <clears throat> Bank of Korea. And he has said that um, other leaders across the world um, which are agreeing that CBDCs are going to lay the foundation of a new global monetary system. And guys, I am not putting in a hyperbole when I say that in the next 10 years, we will see world governments adopt CBDCs. It is absolutely going to happen. 
it's going to be quick for us. We might not even notice any different, uh, anything different. <clears throat> like if you have a Bank of America account or a Chase account, you will still have a bank account. But how things are going to run under the hood, that's going to completely change. So instead of your bank being closed on bank holidays or public holidays, it's going to be open. You're going to be able to send your money instantly to anybody at any time, be it midnight or early morning, whatever. So it's going to be good for consumers. And it's going to force banks. What I really like about this, though, is since banks can right now leverage money that you set, you give them to keep safe for you and make money off of your money and keep like what a 1% reserve and literally lend out 99% of the funds that they have causing all the bank collapses that have recently happened because of the interest rate increases. What I like about CBDCs is when they adopt this technology, the regulations are going to force these banks to have a one for one. And I'm hoping it stays like that because Bank runs are going to become so much easier. And by the way, if you don't know what bank runs are, they're very simple. Everybody at the same time wanting their money out of a bank. And whenever that happens, banks do not have the money to give back because usually they lock up, they buy treasuries, U.S. treasuries. This is U.S. banks. I don't know about other banks, but they will take your money. If you give them $10 to put in your account, they'll take that 10. They'll put one in the account. And then take the $9 that's left and then invest those $9 in treasury, long-term treasury. So if you come back to them in a week and say, hey, I want my $10 back, the bank's going to take someone else's $10 or $9 and give you your $10 back. So if more and more people ask for their money back, at some point, the bank's not going to have enough money available to give their everybody's money back. And that's what happened to some of these big banks that collapsed in the last few months. So having CBDC technology, banks will be required by law, I believe, to have a one for one. So if you give someone a dollar, if someone gives you a dollar, you have to keep that one dollar in a safe custody. You cannot loan out that money. You cannot invest that money. That means there's going to be a lot less bank runs and it's going to be a lot more stable for people to use banks. So that's kind of good. Um, what it increases, the problem is banks revenue model literally depends on leveraging money that people give them. So if they're not able to do that using CBDCs, I don't know how they're going to make their money. Maybe they're going to start charging people fees, which they already do or increase the fees. I don't know how they got to make money somehow. Uh, but we'll see. So those were all the CBDC updates. Next up, we have adoption news. So adoption news, we're going to cover everything in the industry, which is helping the adoption of cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. Um, so a big piece of news came out. Six major funds have launched their Ethereum futures ETF. And we've been talking about ETFs for a long time, guys. ETFs are exchange traded products. So the reason ETFs are important for the industry and adoption is right now, if a average investor like your grandma right now wants to buy, let's say, Bitcoin or Ethereum, she can't really do that unless she gets a hardware wallet or opens an account on Coinbase. And then if Coinbase goes bankrupt, then they, uh, he or she, they lose their wallet, they lose their coin and it's just not, not even insured. So there's a lot of problems with adoption um, with certain demographics. So basically... What ETFs are going to help them do is 
if there's ETFs, they're investment advisors, which most of the people listen to, who most of the people listen to, they will let them know that, hey, I could give you a 1% exposure in your portfolio to this Bitcoin or Ethereum ETF. So they can own these assets. They're going to be custodied by these companies that are putting out these ETFs, but it will be just like owning a stock. So you don't really own your stock. It's a third party that owns your stock. They hold it for you on your behalf. So it's going to be the same with crypto. So some people just don't care about self-custody and that's okay. They're not going to ever want to hold their own wallet because it's kind of unsafe. If you lose your seed phrase, your crypto has gone. So they don't want to take that risk. Um, the only problem with this, this, these six ETFs, it's great news that SEC has approved these six ETFs. Only problem is these are futures ETFs. So the, the difference between a spot ETF and a futures ETF is a future ETF doesn't do much for the price of the token itself because they are settled in cash. It's basically saying, I predict that price of Ethereum in 2030 is going to be this. And then when 2030 comes around, the contract's going to expire. And then everybody who was right got money. Everybody that was wrong lost money. So spot ETFs are a better solution. But as we know that SEC has been dragging its feet, and that's why they lost the uh, Grayscale lawsuit, because Grayscale sued the SEC saying that there's no difference in the market structure of futures ETF and spot ETF. So why is SEC denying? What are the reasons that SEC is denying the spot ETF? And the court agreed. Court said that there's no good, there's no good enough reason by the SEC to decline the approval of a spot ETF. Um, so it's good for adoption. People are learning about Ethereum with futures ETF. But again, I would rather like to see a spot ETF. So hopefully end of this year or early next year before the halving, and I'm 100% sure Bitcoin halving that's going to come around in April when the reward of mining Bitcoin is going to go down by half. I'm pretty sure SEC is going to want to approve um, a Bitcoin ETF, and that's going to be first. You cannot expect a Ethereum spot ETF to come first. It's just like a gold ETF is going to approve, get approved before a silver ETF. It's just how it works. So um, looking forward to that when that happens. Um, so yeah, next up, we have some stablecoin news. DRAM, um, a stablecoin um, backed by the UAE DRAM currency, the currency of UAE, has gone live on Uniswap. So this stablecoin is going to be tracking the price, is going to be the, is going to be backed and tracking the price of the UAE DRAM. And I've never seen the DRAM be a stablecoin. UAE is definitely a strong economy and they have a lot of influence in crypto because I know um, Dubai is like the is one of the hubs for crypto. So a lot of businesses are starting there. So having the Durham be a stable coin is awesome. Um, so that can be used. And the reason stable coins are important, if you haven't noticed so far, stable coins are the reason they're the backbone of DeFi technology. So decentralized finance. It went to the next level over the last three to four years because of stable coins. Because stable coins give you the leverage of switching tokens from one token to another with minimum slippage. 
with tons of liquidity and having the flexibility to come out of tokens in a bear market and go into them during a bull market. So you can protect your protect your investments by stabilizing them by moving into stable coins. So having a Durham stable coin is only good. And here's what I predict over the next over the next three to four years, you will see major, major currencies have their own stable coins. And that is going to happen. So DeFi is going to actually become like a global thing. Right now, the most important currency in DeFi in stable coins is the US dollar. You have the US dollars by circle, and then you have the US dollar by tether. Both of them have huge market market prices. Like they they're like number both of them are like under 20 in the market in coin coin market cap. So uh, that's the stablecoin news from UAE. Uh, next up, we have Bank of International Settlements. That is considered the bank of the banks. It's like the mother of all banks that looks over most of the banks in the world. They and a few other European banks have started to build a proof of concept platform that is going to track crypto flows internationally. Uh, so basically, they're building a surveillance tool. And they have similar tools in traditional finance. They do it for monitoring terrorist activity, blocking certain shady accounts, or understanding the markets so they can predict and uh, kind of stabilize markets if something's about to go bust. So they are understanding. And this is why this piece of news is important. It's not important that they're building this proof of concept thing. It is important that Bank of International Settlements, which is the biggest bank in the world, they understand and know that crypto is here to stay. It is part of the financial system. It is going to get integrated into legacy financial system. And that is why they want to build a surveillance tool on top of it. They wouldn't want to do this and invest so much money and resources and collaborate with other banks to do this if they did not see a future for this industry. And this is the news you will not hear in mainstream media because this piece of news is single-handedly one of the most important pieces of news that you'll hear this whole week because them building this proof of concept clearly is a vote of confidence that they want this industry to exist but you know how big banks work they like to control money they like to control finances so they want to see some control on this industry and initially what's going to happen is they're going to look at centralized exchanges and they're going to monitor the data of tokens moving in and out of exchanges and moving abroad to other countries. And that's going to help them study the market and how the movement of finances within crypto impacts the prices overall, just so that they can understand the stability of the system and manage it accordingly. Uh, next up. We have a huge piece of news coming out of Ton Foundation. So Ton, the token, has Ton, the blockchain, has a foundation just like Ethereum has Ethereum Foundation. Um, so this foundation has raised close to eight figures, and what they're going to do is they're going to build out the Web3 ecosystem on Telegram. And if you don't know what Telegram is, it's another giant global uh, texting uh, company. It's pretty much like WhatsApp, but it's kind of huge. Like it's a huge deal. Telegram, I think, is one of the two top uh, 
chatting apps out there. So this is exciting because uh, the vision behind Ton Blockchain uh, Foundation working on this is to make crypto as easy as texting. That's kind of the mission behind this initiative. So you'll be able to do things like, I don't know, I'm predicting based on what China's doing because China's biggest app, uh, I oh, WeChat, it has all the integration that you can do. You can pay your bills. You can pay your taxes. I don't know if you can pay your taxes, but you could buy your tickets. Excuse me. So you can uh, you can do a bunch of stuff in that texting app. So basically, uh, Telegram might be getting into that kind of stuff as well. So having a blockchain-based system, uh, a, a real-time system is going to be so, so helpful. So to close things out, I have a couple of wholesome and reassuring pieces of news that what we're building with TCFX and tokenizing uh, crowdfunding, like tokenization, guys. So the CEO of Franklin Templeton. So this is another fancy uh, asset manager with about $1.2 trillion in assets, which is a huge deal. The CEO came out and she came out really bullish on crypto overall. She said, this is a complete quotation of what she said, tokenization is securitization done on steroids? I'm going to say that again. Tokenization is securitization done on steroids. So what is securitization? When you go buy a stock in a company, that is securitization. They have made a security for you to be able to hold a part of the company through a stock. So tokenization is going to be that, stocks on steroids. So guess who's right in the tokenization business? MetaLeon Society with TCFX. So you know we're in the right industry at the right time. So every big person, we put out a video where Larry Fink, the CEO of the largest private company in the world that literally controls world governments, BlackRock, he came out and said he was bullish on tokenization. And now Franklin Templeton CEO comes out this week says something similar. So all of if all of these rich and smart people that run the world, they're agreeing that tokenization is the future, there's nothing you have to worry about. We're right here at the right time, building the right product, partnering with the right people, and it's going to be incredible. All that's required is patience and education. Showing up every week to the weekly roundup, Learning about what we're doing on the project side is all you need to do to sleep like a baby because this is insane what we're doing and how well we're positioned for this. Last piece of news is coming out of Cuba. I was reading a, um, it was an op opinion piece where someone went to Cuba and started interviewing uh, people on ground zero. So the peso in Cuba is kind of having similar problems as the Venezuelan currency and the Zimbabwean currency. Um, so basically people are losing their spending power to inflation. They're having to carry stacks and stacks of money just to buy a, a bag of bread. So it's kind of getting horrible. And basically some of the people there said that Satoshi did not create Bitcoin for Cuba, but it is a lifesaver. So people have been buying Bitcoin in Cuba 
just to protect their spending power. Because in, and I am a firm believer, and a lot of people have said this, the worst kind of tax you can put on people is inflation. Because that's almost like robbery. If my $1, not even one, if my $10 could buy me a full McDonald's meal like 10 years ago, and now it doesn't even buy me a chicken McNugget, like what's going on? So basically, that's what's happening in Cuba. And people are moving to Bitcoin to preserve their spending power. So basically, that's what's going on in Cuba uh, and it's just a secondary monetary system that has come to exist right next to the government monetary system. So that's what I'm saying. Bitcoin is freedom. It gives people the ability to opt out of a system, which is completely rigged. And it's only designed to enrich those that help the ones be in power that are in power. It's straight up. It's not even a conspiracy theory at this point. It's if you're If you're someone that tries to look at this, with an unbiased perspective and see what's going on, you will come to the same conclusion. Every country having such high inflation is not a coincidence. It's all coordinated. It's to steal the wealth of the average person and make the ones that are already up there further apart from the wage gap is insane. Middle class is just thinning by the day. And it's all doom and gloom. But guess what? We have a solution. We can opt out of it. And you and I, who are here, we're already ahead of the curve. We're listening to these updates. We're staying up to date in the industry. And that's what matters. So I want to thank each and every one of you for taking time always to come and listen to these updates and edu staying educated, stay up to date with everything. With that, I will call this to an end. And I hope each and every one of you have a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world. And I love you all. Take care, and I'll see you all next week.